Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey everyone, Steve Ray Morris here, and welcome to the latest episode of Swift Bites, a weekly Sea Jurassic Right podcast series where I cover what's happening in the universe of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, dinosaurs, science, and more. Personally, I'm still recovering from not getting the Dennis Nedry Mattel figure, uh, the Mattel Creations figure that went on pre-order yesterday morning, but I hope some of you listeners got one. Let me know. Hopefully, like the Hammond figure from last year, there'll be more chances to score this Nedry figure too at a later date. This week, we got a look at Owen Grady's Jurassic World Dominion look with a post via Instagram. On the In General podcast, the Jurassic Outpost boys gave us a nice roundup of new rumors surrounding Dominion, and NPR gave us a chilling report at the state of the museum world during the era of COVID-19. All these bites and more, hold on to your butts right now. All right, our first story of the day is a little quick one, but it comes with a nice bonus. So, if you listen to last week's first episode, and you know these are these are timely, but they're, I, I still think they're fun to listen to. We got to look at it. Maybe not Bryce's look in Dominion, but we got to look at her bruises. Well, this week, actually, it was Neems who posted it on to Twitter, but it was originally from Chris Pratt's Instagram. Was a look at. Chris Pratt's Dominion, you know, Owen Grady setup. And I don't know if this costume is either, but it's very reminiscent of the Fallen Kingdom with like the blue Henley. And then 
kind of a more, it looks like a heavier jacket, maybe one that could look good in snow, possibly. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's essentially the same look that he's kind of had throughout, but um, I feel like his hair is shorter again. It's kind of like, I feel like Dominion or um, Fallen Kingdom is going to be his Goblet of Fire, you know, where why did all the characters suddenly have long hair? But, you know, he's rocking the mustache and five o'clock shadow, a little more than a five o'clock shadow. So I just thought that was pretty cool that we got our first look at Owen Grady. Again, from what we know from filming, it seemed like Macy and Owen were together in that Vancouver Island stuff in that small town that we're filming. So I wonder what that means. Maybe they're hiding out or something like that. And as a bonus, uh, yesterday, they held uh, Stephen Weintraub from Collider, did a little like directors on directing panel for this weekend's Comic-Con at home. And I didn't really make it its own story just because I feel like there's there isn't that much new news. It's kind of the same stuff that Colin's been talking about. And to note, it was recorded before July 6th, so before they started filming. But the thing that people have taken to note is that Dominion will have even more animatronics than Fallen Kingdom and Jurassic World. Jurassic World only had one, whereas Fallen Kingdom had a bunch. I mean, Blue, Rexy, the Indoraptor. Uh, the Interruptor was eventually painted over, I think, almost completely with CGI. But, you know, on set, there was like a full-size Interruptor, which is dope. Um, and, you know, this is stuff that they use in the marketing. I know, like, for me, sometimes I get a little suspicious listening to news stories like this. It's got the most thing ever. It's the grittiest thing. It's most realistic. But... Again, Colin is very excited, so I'm very excited as well. And it's interesting because I felt like the Fallen Kingdom marketing said that 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 film had the most animatronics since the original, if not more than the original. So it's interesting that they're already leaning into this like, all right, we got even more animatronics than Fallen Kingdom. So it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And personally, I'm excited about that. And again, I think it's a little bit too... Uh, assuage any fears that because of the filming delay that they were just going to make everything CGI and kind of rush it and not put that care into it. But I personally think, and Colin was talking a little bit about this too, is that the break almost gave them more time to plan so that when they are filming, they're really kind of like doing what Spielberg did, which was that he planned everything so meticulously that there wasn't room for error and they weren't half-assing things and they weren't leaving things to be fixed in post later. So all that gives me a lot of hope. All right, let's jump into our second news story. I'm just just bridging right into that, into more Dominion stuff. If you haven't listened to the In General podcast, it's run by the folks over at Jurassic Outpost. I've had a few of them on the podcast before, Assis and Chris Pugh, and their podcast is super fun. It's it's the casual chat show with all your favorite Jurassic Park fans and they kind of revolve hosts every time and, you know, between people who work on the site. And sometimes it's few and far between when they put up episodes. So it's always a delight to hear from them. And the hosts on this week's episode are all the people on this week's or this past week's episode, because I think even since this one earlier this week, they posted another one with Assis and Ryan. But on this episode that I want to talk about, this Dominion News Roundup, uh, was Jack De La Mare, Chris Pugh, and Alex Evans, who I've all had the pleasure of meeting and hanging out with. JP25, I believe, is when... I mean, I've seen Chris, because also Chris came to the ride premiere that uh, Brennan and I went to a year ago. But 
anyway, it's it was a great episode. And again, I love getting a peek into their minds and what they think of Jurassic. And so just running down some of the rumors that they talked about that I thought were interesting. I've seen the, you know, because now they're having to film during COVID. And I keep seeing this where the thing floating around that the document for safety is like over 100 pages, which is wild. But I think it's also good. But I'm hoping that like, there's some sort of way to like distill it so people aren't confused about what to do. But I, I, I trust Colin and uh, the rest of the crew that they're going to, that, that they're doing this right so far. So, um, but again, hearing those rumors that there was no, you know, and again, the new story with Colin kind of uh, confirms these rumors that, you know, this isn't that they're, that they weren't limited by COVID, that they're not changing things because of that. Um, and that it has the most practical effects of any, Jurassic films so far, or at least since the original, I feel like those kind of things are like interchangeable uh, at this point when people talk about this notion of like, oh, this thing's going to have more than what came before. And what I thought was interesting was a little tidbit uh, or rumor that so the animatronics are going to be handled by John Nolan, who did, which I've reported on before, that they that his team did the Dark Crystal prequel for Netflix but unlike previous Jurassic films that this, so even though they're filming at Pinewood Studios where Neil Scanlon's team worked on Fallen Kingdom, essentially Jurassic World Dominion is actually kind of picking the best people from all these different teams. So not only is John Nolan's team there, but a bunch of Neil Scanlon's team is also going to be working on the animatronics and those people worked on Fallen Kingdom. So it's really cool to see some continuity uh, between Fallen Kingdom and Dominion, because I think for a lot of people, so we have Colin directing Jurassic World, we have J.B. Ona directing Fallen Kingdom, and then we go back to Colin directing uh, directing Dominion. And so I, I think maybe, not people, maybe I was more personally worried that we were going to lose some of the... Because I think even... Actually, I think it's a new cinematographer. I'll confirm this for a follow-up episode. But no, I believe it's... I believe it's the same... You know, I'm going to just look this up right now. Jurassic World Dominion. Because we're we're not going to have the same cinematographer... We're not going to have the same cinematographer as as, uh, Fallen Kingdom. We are... Yeah. So, we're basically... In that sense, the the biggest team uh, from... Jurassic World is coming back, which is Colin and John Schwartzman, the cinematographer. So, yeah, Jay Bayona's team of him and his team of him and Oscar Fuera, uh, you know, and their editor, uh, Burnett uh, Villaplana, is like they're not coming back. So it's Colin and John from Jurassic World. So the cinematographer and director. So, you know, part of me was like, oh, we're going to lose some of that cool gothic stuff that we saw in Fallen Kingdom. But I think having the, you know, a lot of the same animatronics crew, I think having obviously Michael Giacchino's score being that through line. So I think there's, I, I think maybe I'm more worried than I, than I need to be. Um, but it's just interesting, you know, again, and they're filming again at Pinewood. So there's that continuity there that wasn't there in Jurassic World. So I feel like Dominion is just going to be this beautiful melting pot. I'm really excited. And <laughs> oh, so here's some of the other rumors, because again, this was it's interesting, you know, as all the Jurassic Park podcast, Jurassic Park podcast, as you know, all the people who do Jurassic Park podcasts, you know, we're all like wanting to talk about this stuff so much. And we're all like, you know, sometimes some people have time to put up an episode right when news comes out. Sometimes, you know, that's the reason why I'm doing these so I can be more on top of it. Um, 
But what I love is that, you know, listening to every single one, it's like you get a new perspective. And so I was excited to hear their take on Dotson and the news that Campbell Scott is being, you know, cast as Dotson or recast. Um, and that Cameron Thor is obviously out. Uh, <laughs> obviously, but some of those rumors, uh, related to this saying that there could be a feathered dinosaur and that that feathered dinosaur in Dominion is, um, part of Biosyn, which is the rival company. So that was really cool. And on like the casting sheets or whatever, Dotson was described as an inspirational Steve Jobs type. So I think we've talked about this, um, you know, in past episodes about, Dotson, you know, even though he was a little moment in the original Jurassic Park, you know, now is the time to flesh him out. And so I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that idea of Steve Jobs, or, you know, not Steve Jobs, but Dotson coming in and sort of like cleaning up the mess that InGen and Jurassic World created. So I really like that. And also they, they kind of talked about the notion of the Barbasol can and the idea that, it's interesting right now we've gotten two new Nedry figures. One Nedry figure is from the scene with Dotson in Jurassic Park and really kind of selling that Barbasol can angle. And so that's just, there was, you know, uh, Jack and Chris and Alex, just that angle of like, wow, they're really trying to remind us of that. You know, we got Dotson here scene, you know, and because Nedry and Wayne Knight is obviously the more recognizable character from that moment. It's almost like they're kind of, and in movies and, and franchises do this all the time. They sort of, whether it's through tie-in media or things like that, they sort of bring up stuff that when you go back to the cinema, you know, after so many years, it's like, they don't want to, you know, they're not going to like respell it out for you necessarily on screen, but they want to maybe get it into the public consciousness. So I thought that was an interesting moment. You know, they talked about maybe like, could this be the first extended cut of a Jurassic film? Um, because, you know, it's just, I mean, it's such a huge movie and the, you know, as far as all the returning cast goes, I mean, this is very, everything about Dominion is unprecedented. So I wouldn't be surprised. They also brought up a few other things that there was a second unit team, which filmed on an island off the coast of Egypt before the pandemic. It's, it's, I saw the Instagram photos. It was like these very primordial looking trees and they felt, and also that a second unit crew filmed at the same time as the first couple of weeks, um, when they, you know, before the shutdown. So I commented recently of like, you know, Colin saying we filmed for this many weeks, but it didn't add up to the calendar dates. So I think maybe he was including these second unit teams. And for folks who don't know what second unit is, it's essentially, it could either be moments without the main casting crew, you know, with maybe extras. Sometimes it's stunt or action based and, or other times it's like gathering, uh, material for like backgrounds and stuff, background replacement and things like that. So it's interesting that this movie seems to have a lot of second unit. So I think when Colin in, in that, uh, Collider Comic Con at Home piece was talking about this movie being this big global adventure, I think that's probably why they need to utilize second unit because there's just so much that they have to get so much footage. Like maybe we're going to see dinosaurs all over the world. And so that's not stuff that your main characters are at. You know, they're just kind of giving you a taste of what's happening. So again, a lot of interesting stuff like that. And Chris Pugh had a, had a little bit to weigh in on Bryce Dallas Howard's bruises, kind of, you know, just saying that like, you know, these bruises that are on her, like kind of lower, like, or upper arms, I guess, or like, you know, closer to the wrist, like that's, you know, when 
I guess when, you know, actors get bruises or like stunt actors get, you know, anybody doing like hanger work or wire work hanging from things, you know, usually those like, you know, and we've seen bonus features before of like when people are hanging from a, like a harness or something like you get bruises like on your inner arms and your, you know, upper thighs and stuff. And Chris was suggesting that, you know, if you're getting your stuff on your like kind of your forearms or your wrists and stuff like that's from maybe like jumping and hanging on stuff. Like you're adding a lot of like weight to that part. And so I just love it. Idea. If there was like a callback to lost world of like something is hanging off a cliff or, you know, it just, it was really fun to listen to them talk about that. Cause it's just stuff that I would never even thought about. It kind of really just gets your kind of just really gets your mind racing about the possibilities. And, uh, finally on the podcast, they talked about, um, Camp Cretaceous updates, you know, there hasn't been really any marketing so far. I mean, really nothing since the first trailer a year ago. And right now it's Comic-Con from home. So fingers crossed, maybe something will drop this weekend, which would be nice. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, talking about hopes that, you know, they, you know, they're talking about Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous like it's canon. So fingers crossed that that's still the case. I mean, I thought it was interesting that that essentially a lot of these like animated shows on Netflix, they don't really get pushes until the last month. So it's like nothing, 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 nothing. And then they get an update, you know, one month out and that's when they really build the hype. And, you know, I think it, I just think at Jurassic, we're so used to everything just being all over the place, you know, with the toys for a battle at big rock being everywhere, but nowhere to be found during that phase. You know, we're feeling that again. I mean, I got a bumpy on my desk right now, Snap Squad bumpy. And the, um, the, uh, I like the sound of that on the mic. And now I'm having the Carnotaurus that's supposed to be like the big bad of the show. Toro, I think, or something like that is, um, yeah, I think, yeah, we're just used to, we're just used to kind of not knowing what's going on. And so I think it's interesting the idea that, us not knowing what's going on could be more symptomatic uh, of Netflix's style uh, with the way that they do things rather than universal. So hopefully we'll hear something soon. And the last thing uh, I wanted to say, uh, well, also that, that, well, I'll, you know, I'm not going to say that because it might be spoilery for some people. Um, but also them bringing up the concept again, that Colin has said that like people really liked battle at big rock and maybe there's room for shorts down the line. And, but it made me think because dominion's reintroducing so many old characters, I would love it if there was like a road to Jurassic world dominion, kind of like how they did for, for each star Wars movie in the sequel trilogy, a tie in book tie in shorts, just something so that when we see all these characters again, we don't necessarily have to waste time catching up with them. I mean, obviously they'll give us the essential information, but I would love it if those things were fleshed out. Like what Barry and uh um what Barry and Lowry were up to, what Zia and you know uh Franklin were up to, that kind of stuff. Um what the original trio was up to. What did Malcolm do after he testified at the hearing in Fallen Kingdom? Stuff like that. But to to tie this into another little bonus mention here, as far as side characters go, Daniela Panita, who plays Zia, was on Ben um, was on the LPN show, which is a spinoff of the last podcast on the left, which is a great true crime show, one of my favorite podcasts in the world. And Daniela was chatting with Ben Kissel because the LPN show is kind of like a casual chat show, and it's just it was really cool because I feel like I haven't heard that many interviews with Daniela and. 
you know, she's a big true crime fan. She actually, I mean, this is my fan fangirl moment, but uh, she mentioned somewhere that she would listen to not only LP on the left, but my favorite murder as well on the set of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which I'm just like, oh my God, like that. Yeah. So I was just excited about that, but it was really nice to hear an interview from her. She talked a lot about, you know, life as an actor and trying to make it. And she talked about this. She mentioned this like very embarrassing West Side Story remake audition that she did for Steven Spielberg, which was hilarious. And then as far as like, insights on Jurassic goes um, during Fallen Kingdom she actually got to train with like a reptile veterinarian and like was taught how to like suture like scaly skin and stuff and that makes total sense for what her role was and again reminds me of the concept of what Zia's character is is so cool this like dinosaur vet I mean that's so badass and then she mentioned briefly that as far as like you know bringing character or like bringing you know now we have so many de-aging and bringing characters back from the dead and stuff and she mentioned that universal owns her likeness as zia not only on earth but on the in- but in the entire solar system in the off chance that they i guess we established a hollywood on mars i don't know and then just briefly she mentioned that she's going to be finishing dominion this year and then Next year, early next year, she'll be moving to New Zealand to start uh, refilming at Cowboy Bebop. Um, and she plays Faye Valentine, which is really rad, too. So a lot of cool projects for her. I'll put, you know, every all the links from all these stories will be in the notes, as obviously. So uh, there's so many cool podcasts this week. I just I had a hard time picking what to talk about. But um, I'm going to keep up sharing because there's there's some really good science and dinosaur podcasts that are starting to come out. Sip and Sigh, Paleo Nerds, a lot of great stuff. So, yeah, if people want more podcast recs that are related to dinosaurs or Jurassic Park or science, uh, let me know and I can um, I can keep those coming. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And the last story of the day is kind of a bummer coming from NPR. It says one third of U.S. museums may not survive the year survey finds. And so if I pop over to NPR, this is an article from Nita Ulabi. This is from a couple days ago. So essentially there's, which I didn't know this, there's an American Alliance of Museums and museums still draw in 850 million visitors, but essentially the American Alliance of Museums did a survey and the president and CEO, Laura Lott, she said in a survey released Wednesday of the 760 museum directors, 33% of them said there was either a significant risk of closing permanently by next fall or that they didn't know if their institutions would survive. 
There's a large public perception that museums rely on government support when the reality is they only get a quarter of their funding from the government. Ticket and gift shop sales, school trips, and museum events are primary sources of funding, most of which went to zero overnight when they were all shuttered. The institutions surveyed ranged from aquariums to botanical gardens to science centers. More than 40% of them were history museums, historic houses, and historical societies, while art museums represented less than 25%. And... Um, I'll put a link to the whole article. Uh, I just wanted to point this out because it really bums me out. And obviously, you know, museums are a hot topic. I mean, there's stuff like the British Museum where they're basically like, you know, they stole all this art and everything like that. And, you know, there, there's a lot of complicated feelings. I'm, you know, the American Natural History Museum recently took down a statue of Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, recently, uh, the American Natural History Museum of New York took down the racist statue uh with depicting, you know, it was like Teddy Roosevelt being like lifted up by Native Americans. It's like, it's so, I'm so glad that they did that. But so, you know, natural history museums are very complicated science center, you know, overall, I think natural history museums are such an important place and can do such good in preserving history and, and writing wrongs and teaching us about things and stuff. And I think it, it just bums me out that the idea that, you know, some of these places could shut down before they have a chance to fix things or, you know, they're that, that, you know, it's just how, how there are such places that inspire people. And especially when you're kids and visiting and yeah, I don't, it's just, I don't, I don't really know what to do. I don't know if I can do anything, but I just wanted to bring it to everyone's attention because I want to try and figure out something because, um, you know, I've, I love naturalist museums. I love naturalist museum of Los Angeles, of London, New York, uh, all the ones I went to in Australia. Like, you know, it's just such an important thing for me. Like, especially in my adult life over the last few years, like truly when I was traveling for work or something like that one or two hours I spent at the natural history museum, looking at dinosaurs and, you know, fossils, looking at the gem hall, like learning about, you know, all these amazing concepts and creatures and and stuff. It's just, it's such a special thing to me. And it would be so sad for all of them just to, you know, or, if, you know, for a, one third of them to close by the end of the year, that's really depressing to me. So, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what we can do. And I obviously, and I know the field museum is opening back up, I think this weekend. And I think the here, what the one in LA is opening up soon as well too. And I obviously don't want people to risk themselves to go back out, but yeah, I don't know. Well, on a positive note, I am really loving everyone sharing their favorite prehistoric non-dinosaur over on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and everything like that. If you didn't hear from last week, uh, I interviewed paleontologist and author Ashley Hall. And right now there's a giveaway going to win copies of Fossils for Kids, her new book. Uh, Again, in order to win, all you have to do is comment on one of the social media posts about what your favorite prehistoric non-dinosaur life form is. So that, you know, that can include, you know, mosasaurs and saber tooths, as well as invertebrates like Anomalocaris or, you know, plants like ferns and stuff like that. So it's pretty loose, just a non-dinosaur. So yeah, I'm really loving everyone's I mean, coelacanth, you know, it technically returned from the dead, but maybe I'll count that. Uh, Leopleurodon, uh, Ammonites, um, let's see, Titanoboa, Titanoboa, like the big, one of the biggest snakes, 
uh, Dinosuchus, Woolly Mammoths, Pterosaurs, so many great, uh, so many great entries on social media now. So you have until July 31st, which is next Friday to enter one entry, per, one entry per person, US and worldwide. Follow Ashley Hall, uh, um, at Lady Naturalist on social and SJR pod on Twitter, Cedar Rask Wright on Instagram. Again, this last bit is not a requirement, but, you know, it'd be nice. Uh, Ashley is such a great person to follow if you're into science and dinosaurs and fossils on social media. So thanks for listening to the second episode of Swift Bites. Be on the lookout for the latest Park Experts episode with Stephen Pappas and Chris Grummet from The Redo, formerly Is This Adulting, coming probably later this weekend. Uh, hoping to balance getting these little micro episodes out weekly with more awesome interviews that I've got recorded currently. Also, in case you missed it, on Canada Day this July, I was on Andrew Roebuck's podcast, Triassic Park, where a lovely bunch of us watched the 70s B-movie Yeti, giant of the 20th century, where an unfrozen Yeti uh, creature terrorizes downtown Toronto. Yeah, he, he uh, Triassic Park is just covering all kinds of creature features in B-movies. It's a great podcast, so check it out. I'll put a link to that to the notes. And I think I mentioned up top, or if I didn't, because it got lost in the editing. I held off recording this day's episode until now because I thought we were going to get some big Jurassic news, but we didn't. So thank you for listening. And yeah, maybe we'll get it next week. Take care. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.